Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, everyone? I am Jamie Shaw. I am joined here by my co-host Scott Smelly. This is the breakdown. Scott, how you doing today? Awesome, Jamie. So good to see you again. And you know, we're here at Dana Barrels where Dana and Travis and Stephanie and uh, the entire staff here has been so gracious to us in terms of being able to uh, work upstairs and in there, you know, allowing us to produce and direct the show. So again, special shout out and thanks to them. All is well, though, Jamie. Good. And before we jump into it, before we get into uh, today's episode, let's introduce ourselves. I'll start with me. I'm Jamie Shaw, National Recruiting Analyst, Rivals.com, the author of one of the largest scouting services in the country, ABC Basketball Scouting. Scott, tell them about you. Jamie, I've been a coach for many years. Um, you know, when I was done playing in college, um, I, you know, kind of had an opportunity to coach at a prep school, two different prep schools as a head coach uh, at a young age. And from there, I've kind of come up the ranks, been at most every level of division one basketball, done some minor league pro, some NBA stuff. Um, and, you know, I've kind of lived around the country um, over the last several years, moved my family quite a bit, have worked for some tremendous um, mentors along the way, have learned so much. And uh, it's been a great journey thus far with a, a lot more, hopefully uh, in store in the future. But uh, again, Jamie, we met through this process and, and in my travels and, you know, and meeting you and the relationship and the respect I've got for you, um, you know, it really started through this recruiting and uh, meeting you in those North Carolina back gyms quite a bit over the years. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's what makes us so exciting to be able to get to do. I've known you for a number of years. We kind of have the same passion and eye for talent and everything. Um, but here's our sixth episode. Before we jump into Syracuse here, I want to ask you that you go ahead and look back at the previous episodes that we've done on the breakdown uh, we have five previous ones before this uh, Syracuse episode, so check them out. And if you like the content, please be sure to go ahead and subscribe uh, wherever you're listening to it at. Uh, share the content if you like it with all your followers. Um, and, uh, you know, rate us five stars and leave a comment. Let us know. But for this episode, number six, we're jumping into Syracuse. Coming off of an 18-10 and 10 overall record, they finished eighth in the ACC. Uh, they won two NCAA games last year, San Diego State, West Virginia. Jim Beheim. Head coach at Syracuse since 1976, Hall of Famer, a legend. What is it about Jim Beheim that keeps his longevity there, but also allows him to continue having success? Jamie, it, for him, it's been obviously it starts like most every other successful head coach, Hall of Famer. You know, it's it's been his recruiting prowess, um, his ability to recruit um, nationally over the last several years to develop players. Coach Beheim and his staff have done an unbelievable job of recruiting, again, to that system, too. We call them system fits, but, you know, he's established that 2-3 zone, the identity, which is known not only in college basketball here in the States, but it's, it's known throughout the world of basketball uh, as, you know, what Coach Beheim has established in terms of that 2-3 zone. Um, and, you know, you watch, you know, kind of, the transformation of, of their program over the last several years. And one thing will never change is, is the way they play in that two, three. And, you know, you can attribute that to a lot of the success, not only that he's had in regular season basketball, 
But again, when you play them on a tournament stage, you know, it's really hard to get acclimated to that two, three zone. So again, I think it's, uh, you know, it started with recruiting Jamie and it continues to go on that path for coach Beheim and his staff, um, even having his son, both his sons there now who are both, you know, tremendous players. Um, and then I think it's kind of gone from the, not only the recruiting, but the identity of that two, three zone uh, has made Syracuse a special program for years. And obviously it's attributed to coach Beheim and his staff. And as you mentioned, their, their zone and their style of play makes it tough come tournament time and all that. They, they had a nice little run. They've had a nice little run the last couple of years, tournament play and everything. This team, this roster makeup's a little bit unique. They lose six of their top eight players coming off of last year's team. But what they do return is preseason ACC first team, Buddy Beheim, Jim's son, 17.8 points per game throughout probably the last – you know, 25% of the season last year, Buddy Mania, uh, Buddy Basketball, all these names, he just kind of took over. What is Syracuse getting in Buddy Bayheim, and, and how important is that to have a player like that coming back to lead your team? Well, you know, Jamie, going back to when he was at Brewster Academy, I remember seeing him play. And, you know, in, in all honesty, you know, he was a kid that was really under-recruited, undervalued. You know, sometimes I think, you know, certain kids, because – especially coaches' sons, right? Like sometimes you get caught up in, well, they're probably going to go play for their dad and, you know, whatever. But he is a special player. And it's, you know, watching him at Brewster Academy, um, you know, watching him in that, that, that post-grad year, you could see a kid that had great size with obvious, you know, tremendous skill who had upside. But the one thing that he's always been able to do, he's just a tremendous weapon behind that three-point line. And, you know, with the game, the way it's played today, you know, Buddy Beheim is a perfect fit, um, not only for, you know, Syracuse or any college high major, high level program, but even for the next level, because he can really shoot the basketball. And when he gets in a rhythm, uh, Jamie, you know, as we've seen um, throughout his career at Syracuse, he can light up the scoreboard and he doesn't need much space to do it. So he's one of those special players. Um, you know, that, you know, Coach Beheim has always, he's had, but this one's obviously a little closer to him uh, being his son. You know, he's, he's a special type of player, Jamie. He really is. The other player that they returned with significant playing time last year, Joe Girard, obviously his high school exploits, the scoring that he put up, the totals he put up in high school are things of legend. Last year, nine and a half points, he made 53s, three and a half assists per game. What type of step is Joe Girard going to have to take in order for this Syracuse game uh, team to reach what they're trying to do this year? Well, Joe Girard is, again, being very familiar with, with him, recruiting him in high school and uh, getting a chance to know him and his family. Great, great family. Um, a kid that's always been somebody that can really shoot the basketball with real deep range. And, you know, I think the best is yet to still still the best is yet to come so far with Joe Girard. I think we've seen him grow. Um, you know, from his freshman to his sophomore year, um, you know, going into this season, you're going to see a kid that's going to take, I'm sure, a huge jump. But with his ability, um, you know, to knock down that three-point shot with deep range, incredibly deep range, um, he's an offensive threat that proposes big, big problems for, uh, for, for the opposition because, you know, he can, he can make shots from just about anywhere on the floor with, uh, with exceptionally deep range. But I, I think he's going to make a huge jump this year uh, for Syracuse. But if he continues just to be who he's always been, and that is that shooter, that three-point shooter, 
who actually, you know, has played a lot more point um, over his uh, during his time there at Syracuse. And, um, you know, he's also been able to make some people better. Um, you know, he's gotten better. He, he draws a lot of fouls with that tremendous up fake that he has. Um, so, you know, expect big things from Joe Gerard this year at Syracuse. Another player that wasn't last year coming back, but is significant in what this uh, Syracuse team's trying to do, um, especially with the rim protection, the rim protection within the two, three zone and all that type of stuff, major for what they do. They returned six foot 10 senior Barama Sadibe. Uh, again, he only played two games last year. Year before that, though, 6.7.6 rebounds, 1.4 blocks, 1.3 steals per game. How important is it to have a rim protector like Brahma Sadibe and somebody who knows the system and all that type of stuff? How important is that to have him back in the lineup this year? Well, Jamie, they missed him a lot last year. Um, you know, he's a kid that, again, when you talk about system fits and how Syracuse, you know, recruits, especially in the front court, and in this case, Barack Brahma Sidibe at the five, you know, he's that long athletic shot blocker. And staying consistent with what Syracuse has done over the last several years, um, you know, they've always had that, you know, multiple, you know, rim protectors, guys who are presence at the rim, guys who can cover ground. Um, and, you know, with Brahma's length, his experience, you know, he's a guy that changed not only block shots, but he changes shots. And, you know, as we get into some of the video here shortly, you're going to see him. He does an unbelievable job at walling up you know, down there where then he allows those forwards, the bottom forwards, the back line forwards in their two, three zone to come behind and block shots also. So they missed him a lot last year, especially on the defensive end. And he is evolving offensively. Uh, again, I think Syracuse is another team, another program there, you know, coach Beheim and his staff do a, do a really good job at developing players. And I think that's a lot, it, it's very underappreciated um, by people in terms of, you know, the general, you know, consensus, they really do a nice job at it working in terms of developing their guys. And I'm sure Barama is going to be a much improved offensive guy this year. Also. We've already mentioned it a couple of times in this uh, podcast, the two, three zone, when you think about Syracuse, that's what you think about is the two-three zone. They've done a great job of establishing their identity, and I'm sure so many fans are excited about seeing you break this down because it's such a fascinating thing. Um, but you know, they're 12th nationally last year in block shots per game, five per game. They're 36th nationally in steals per game last year at 8.1. Um, talk about the two-three zone. I want to hear their identity, and I want to hear you break it down from from an insider's perspective as to how it is to play against it and what it is they try to do. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's, um, that's tough playing against it, James. I had to laugh because it's just <laughs> something that you really, again, you can't simulate that two, three zone, no matter how hard you try with your scout team in preparation. And again, you know, you got to tip your hat to coach Beheim and his staff and how they've been able to establish this identity with this two, three zone. And, you know, when you think zone, you think two, three zone, you know, most players, you know, especially younger guys, they think, okay, we're going into a zone. It's now time maybe to take a rest, right? I think the mindset uh, for some younger players is to rest when they're in a zone, as opposed to playing man where they know they have to move and, and um, you know, guard the ball and so on. But you, you got to look at Syracuse's two, three zone. And first, the most important thing to understand is, how hard they play every possession. Um, you know, they're in that zone 
And, you know, they're in, a, they're in positions where they do an unbelievable job at taking up passing lanes, pressure in the ball. Um, they help one another out. They understand their rotations. And then to top it all off, they do a great job at anticipating the next pass. And when you think you're open, when you get the ball in the paint or whether in the low block or that step out area, you know, they, they actually can converge very fast, whether they have that long athletic shot blocker that blocks your shot straight on, whether they come from behind with those bottom forwards and block those shots or whether they trap that little short corner step out area. Um, you know, they'll trap that area too. So it is a zone that, again, it's a very unconventional two, three, that's really hard to simulate. And what I like to do, Jamie, is kind of dive into this, if we could, uh, video-wise, and really kind of break this down and show you some of the actions and why Syracuse is so successful in their 2-3 zone. But again, it starts with the recruiting side of this. They recruit to their system, and they always have those, those guys who can take up you know, uh, the passing lanes, guys who have great length. Um, also, um, you know, that shot blocker, a few shot blockers in a presence of the rim, because you mentioned them as being able, you know, in terms of their statistics, blocking shots, but how many shots do they actually change, right? How many do they actually change that don't get, um, there's no real stat for, you know, uh, shots that are altered, right? So I think that's another statistic that's misleading. And again, you know, when you talk about the zone, I used to work for a coach, uh, Barry Collier, who's now the athletic director at Butler. And he started that Butler basketball program. I learned so much from Barry over the years, wonderful uh, person, great coach. But what he used to tell our team at Nebraska was, you know, if you take a bad shot, you know, he would equate that and he would actually use the terminology. That's like a turnover off the rim. And again, Syracuse, sometimes you're forced into those bad shots so they can get into their transition game as if the, the shot was a turnover. So without further ado, Jamie, I'd love to dive into their, you know, to this defensive 2-3 identity uh, in terms of how they play it. Um, so let's, let's get into this first clip. You know, in this next clip, as we watch the 2-3 zone, you know, we talked about Syracuse. And I know, Jamie, you made reference to, you know, how they are one of the tops in the country in block shots. And they do it in a couple different ways. You know, obviously, you know, with that rim protector, you know, Sadibi, um, even uh, Ancelona, Frank Ancelona, who's back this year, um, they always have those big, long athletic shot blockers. In this possession, we're going to see the 2-3 zone and how they actually block shots uh, coming from the, the bottom forward. So those backline forward guys do an unbelievable job of anticipating. You know, they're, they've been recruited not only for their skill and their uh, talent level, but they also have tremendous instincts as it relates to the defensive end in, in terms of blocking shots. And this is something that they drill. In this possession here, you're going to see the ball gets down, you know, in an area that you would normally think, okay, I've got the ball literally with one foot in the paint. And by the way, you know, the kid that has the ball right now is on an NBA roster. Um, and so he's in a position right now where you think, okay, I'm going to catch this and finish or get fouled. Watch what Syracuse does though. Okay. And this is why they're so successful. They actually converge on the ball and they do an unbelievable job of what we call walling up. When you wall up the offensive player, basically what you do is you get your hands high 
And what you do is you kind of, you know, a physical with them with your hips and your legs. And you're trying to almost, again, you know, with the terminology wall means, you know, make yourself as big as you can, as straight up as you can. But at the same time, you know, take up the space between you and the offensive player. And in this case, you know, there's even an up fake here. And you can see there's literally three Syracuse guys around him. And, you know, Jamie, one thing you and I remember talking about in the gym with you is about how, you know, you and I would laugh because, you know, most guys would say I'm six foot five. Um, but in reality, basketball players actually should be measured from their, you know, from the bottom up to their reach, right? Their length. And that's how you should measure, you know, a basketball player. Cause a lot of times you're playing, you know, with your arms up, especially on defense. And so, you know, you're talking about three guys here with Syracuse converging, um, you know, with probably six, 10 or better wingspans down there. And so it's really hard for the offensive player when they catch the ball in an area that you're normally able to score. Um, you know, even if you're, if you're playing against your scout team in practice, um, but against Syracuse, they swallow you up down there and they either block your shot, they either change your shot or they turn you over. So in this case, they block the shot and here they go in transition. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, as they convert to from their two, three zone um, to easy bu buckets, whether it's layups or threes. In this next possession, you're going to see them again. They're going to take the shape here. Of uh, again, it looks like a two-two-one. You can see those backline guys, how extended they are, and you know this is within the ACC, right? So, game to game, Coach Beheim and his staff, I'm sure, are scouting the opposition, and you know they know, you know, there's Beverly for you know number ten for NC State, tremendous three-point shooter. Um, so they've got guys that they know, you know, can make shots. So they extend, you know, those backline guys quite a bit. And in this case here, you're going to see, you know, the, the bottom forward takes it. Now the ball is in the middle. Uh, I believe that's Funderburg. You know, he's a tremendous offensive player. And he just kind of flips it, which, you know, you think now you almost got two feet, one and a half feet in the paint in an area that if you could just crab dribble maybe in an, against a, a, a normal, you know, two, three zone, you know, you're probably going to get fouled or finish this. And in this case, you can see, Syracuse comes over, they wall up the shot. So that we call that like a flying wall, where now you actually leave your feet, you go straight up, you know, on the offensive player. And then you can see uh, another one of Syracuse's uh, players. In this case, it's actually the middleman converge and just come behind and block the shot. This is why Syracuse is one of the top teams in the country um, at not only blocking shots, but changing shots because those backline guys are so active. Uh, they help one another out, they cover ground. And again, they're extremely well coached and drilled down there uh, by coach Beheim and his staff. You speak, you, you speak about how much Syracuse values length and IQ at the forward spots. With only returning, with only returning two of the top eight players from last year's team, Syracuse hit the uh, transfer portal pretty hard. Two of the players they brought in uh, Jimmy Beheim, six foot eight from Cornell, he averaged sixteen point seven points per game last year, and Cole Swider, uh, senior from Villanova, who averaged five point two points for his career, shot thirty five point seven percent from three for his career at Villanova. Those those guys are both six foot eight. They fit right into that forward spot with experience at Syracuse. What can we expect from Jimmy Beheim and Cole Swider on the Syracuse team? 
Jamie, both guys bring not only great length, you know, and great size um, to those, you know, uh, back line forward positions in the two, three, but they also bring, you know, proven uh, offensive skill in terms of being able to shoot the three point shot, as well as, you know, make their teammates better. Both guys at six, eight can pass, dribble and shoot, um, you know, starting with uh, Cole Swider. Cole was is a local kid. He's from uh, the Mass Rhode Island area out here. Uh, wonderful family, wonderful kid. He uh, he transferred from Villanova, and he was a kid that you know has always been known as a three point specialist. I mean, he can really, really shoot the ball. And um, again, when you start looking at you know the way Syracuse you know gets their guys um, you know uh, open shots, whether it's through the two three zone that we just talked about. Um, turnovers, block shots, bad shots, change shots, and they convert to transition. You know, Cole Swider is a guy that you're going to have to find early in transition because he can really shoot it. And then you add, you know, um, Jimmy Beheim, a proven, you know, um, you know, Division One kid who, you know, when you average 16 points per game in the Ivy League, Jamie, that's saying something because the Ivy League is another league that's very undervalued in terms of the talent level that's there. And, you know, he's a kid that's coming in, he's, he's experienced, he's been, you know, he's proven to be able to score throughout his time at Cornell. Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to fit very nicely. Another kid who's extremely skilled with great size, understands the great game, uh, he's got great length to him, and he's a we another weapon offensively. He can shoot it, um, he can, you know, make people, he can pass, dribble, and shoot just like Cole. So both guys from the transfer portal, really kind of filled a huge void with some of those departures that you made, um, you know, you mentioned earlier. And we've talked a lot about how important rim protection is within the Syracuse team, what they try to do, players around the basket. Two guys from last year's team that showed a lot of promise who will probably need to take bigger roles this year, both of them six foot ten, Jesse Edwards and Frank Anselm playing behind and possibly alongside, we'll see what happens, of Barama Sidibe as he comes back. But what type of steps forward can we expect from Jesse Edwards and Frank Anselm uh, for this team? Jesse Edwards took a huge jump last year at the end of the season. And, you know, you could see, you know, there were flashes always. Jesse's a kid that always is oozing, has been always oozing with potential. Um, and near the end of last year, you know, he had showed flashes during the ACC. But at the end of last year, the end of the season, and especially into the NCAA tournament, you know, Jesse really helped Syracuse in their, um, you know, how they advanced in the NCAA tournament in terms of his productivity. Um, he's extremely long, very athletic, um, tremendous timing, shot blocker who, you know, it's one thing to be a shot blocker. Um, and when you block a shot, it goes out of bounds. Jesse has the ability uh, to whether he's, whether he's going to block a shot straight on with you. Uh, or whether he can come from the weak side, but he keeps those those shot blocks uh, in play. And that's a huge advantage too. So he's got a great feel at being able to block shots. And obviously we've talked about, um, you know, uh, Anselm and, um, you know, he's a kid that's experienced. He's a, you know, wide body kid, physical. Um, but again, you know, that, you know, great length to him. He's another guy that's a rim protector, um, evolving offense, just like with Jesse, those two guys would be better offensively. Um, but again, you know, we've talked about that, you know, the identity of Syracuse in that two, three zone. And you add those two guys, you know, with Sadibi coming off the injury from last year, 
you know, and they could play different combinations, right, Jamie? They could actually play real big and go with one of two, one of those guys also at a at a you know back line in that two three two. So, um, you know, look for those two guys to again with um, you know with their team this year to make huge strides, um, you know, on both ends of the floor for them. With all the skill that they have at the guards and, and in the shooting and passing and dribbling that they have at the guards and the forward spots, the athleticism and length that they have at the post position. Uh, Syracuse's offense has begun to morph, has continued to morph as Beheim has gone uh, throughout his career and everything into, into what it is today. I'm fascinated for you to take us through their kind of their offensive identity and what it is they try to accomplish and how they try to accomplish what they do on offense, uh, you know, in the later parts of Beheim's career here. Well, you know, Jamie, you got to kind of start with what they've kind of developed into, just like most successful teams. Uh, at every level of basketball now is, is, you know, really identifying and addressing three-point shooting. That three-point line has really changed the game, and it changes the way that you actually go about recruiting. You know, there were days that you go back to Syracuse, you know, when they were, you know, with the Derek Coleman's and, you know, Stevie Thompson and uh, the Ronnie Cycles, you know, they played more of those traditional two big guys. In today's game, you know, it's, you know, it's a lot different because that three-point line really, um, you know, it puts an emphasis in recruiting on getting and attracting skilled players, especially kids who could shoot that three-point shot. So what they've done, you know, throughout their time is they've evolved, you know, by now being a team that not only has that length and athleticism, and they could play a variety of ways in that two-three, but they've really recruited three-point shooting and, you know, with this year's team, and I'm going to talk about this and I'll show you some video in a second here. But when you talk about, you know, the, the likes of, of obviously Buddy and what he's been able to accomplish, Gerard, you know, he owns all kinds of records for three-point shooting out of high school. And he's shown flashes. And I think he's going to take a jump. You know, you talk about his, you know, his older son, uh, uh, Jimmy, coming in this year. And then you talk about some of these other players, you know, Samir Torrance, as we'll talk about him in a minute, transfer, and as well as an extremely talented freshman in Benny Williams. Um, you know, they've got a lot of weapons and, you know, again, Cole Swider, um, you know, big time three-point weapons. So they've been able to address that side uh, of recruiting, um, just like, again, a lot of the other successful teams by addressing um, the needs of recruiting three-point shooters. You already previously mentioned these last two guys that I kind of want to touch on here because they could play a pretty significant role. We have five-star Benny Williams, freshman coming in. Um, he's from up in the Maryland area, transferred down to IMG for his uh, post-grad year. Now he's coming up to Syracuse as a five-star freshman. And Samir Torrance, he was a top 100 kid, ranked uh, number 90 overall by Rivals.com. Um, coming out, went to Marquette. Now he's coming back uh, to Syracuse this year. Uh, both of these guys are interesting players. How do you see them fitting into what they're trying to do here with the Syracuse team and providing some depth um, and talent this year? It's a nice uh, two-man, you know, class when you just specifically talk about those two players. Um, let's start with Benny Williams. You know, I remember seeing Benny play um, in Maryland. He was over at St. Andrews. Um, we had his teammate uh, over at Boston College, Kamari Williams, uh, you know, Walt Williams' son. And you know, when you saw Benny at a young age, you saw a kid that had, you know, tremendous skill, real athletic, uh, big time motor, um, great feel for the game. And then you 
take all of that and you add his length and how he's grown um, with now his ability to, to make shots in that three-point line consistently, you know, he could be another type of what we call special player coming out of Syracuse, especially, you know, when you're talking about a kid with his size, 6'8", with his skill set, um, his ability to score at all three levels with great athleticism. He's versatile. You could play him at the top of that two, three, if you wanted to as a guard, or you could put him on the back line and he could cover ground. So uh, he gives them a lot of versatility on both ends of the floor. Um, and then Samir Torrance, look, you know, people forget now, Samir Torrance, you know, he was a kid that actually reclassified up out of high school. You know, he's a local kid. So, you know, he had a really good freshman year at Marquette. And look, you know, sometimes, as we all know, Jamie, you know, that, you know, that, that doesn't some players, you know, go through a little bit of a rough patch at times and it doesn't take away this kid's ability. I mean, he's a he's a talented young man. Uh, he's got good size to him, play either guard spot. Um, you know, he shot well from the three point line as a freshman, um, even into the Big East tournament. And last year, maybe didn't make as many shots for whatever reason. You know, COVID was it was a you know funky year for a lot of people, a lot of players. So um, I look for him to be another guy that comes in and makes a huge impact with Benny Williams, um, you know, at, at the guard spots. And although, you know, um, you know, we talk about those two guys and, and, and Benny being a freshman, and Samir being, you know, a transfer, you know, those to me were their best two recruits that they brought in uh, in, in this year's class who are going to provide huge impact for them. So we broke down the team, their offensive identity, the defensive identity, what they're trying to do and get into on both sides of the ball, the players one through nine and their rotation. I want to talk a little bit about Jim Beheim. You know, he's been there since 1976. He's a Hall of Famer. He's done everything that he can in the game. But what he's done very impressively to me is he's been able to establish a culture and a brand around the Syracuse program. Um, even in his later years here, since they've come over to the ACC, since Syracuse came over to the ACC, they haven't ever won the ACC, but they're able to maintain relevance. They're able to, um, you know, continue to be, a scare, put a scare into people when you play them. You have to still take them seriously and all that type of stuff. How has Beheim been able to kind of establish and create that that presence and that brand and still maintain relevance this late uh, into his uh, career? You know, to me, Jamie, uh, Coach Beheim is, you know, is in his staff. He's way ahead of his um, – he was way ahead of the times, right? Like, so – you know, now with the emphasis defensively on calling, you know, hand checks and arm bars on penetration, you know, and cleaning up the defensive end of the floor, a lot of coaches have resorted to playing more zone, you know, not just two, three, multiple, you know, one, two, two, three, twos, um, one, three, ones. But what Coach Beheim has done at, you know, with his vision, when he first, you know, you could see Syracuse, I remember playing them against them in college and, um, you know, to establish an identity, you know, for that many years and to recruit, you know, uh, to that system. So system fits and to be this successful over time by playing what most people would think a two, three zone is simple, right? Like most coaches or most of the, the, the general belief would be, okay, I know what to do against two, three zone. Well, yeah, you might, but 
The problem is, is that when you play against Syracuse, it's an unconventional two, three that coach Beheim has kind of um, developed there with different principles than, than most of the traditional, what we call two, three zone defenses. And at the same time, he's recruited so well um, to that style, to that, you know, unconventional style that, you know, Syracuse is a very, very difficult matchup. Um, you know, look, the ACC, is such a tough league and it's an unbelievable basketball league. I've been blessed to be around some really good programs and worked in a lot of different high level leagues over the years. Um, you know, to me, the ACC is uh, the best league that I've been involved with just from in terms of top to bottom, as it relates to the talent, to the coaching, to the talent, you know, to the venues, the rivalries. Um, and so when you look at what Syracuse has done, you know, and you try to prepare for them, their greatest success probably has been that in tournament settings, the NCAA tournament, Jamie. Um, you know, when you talk about playing them and you say, look, you draw Syracuse in the NCAA tournament and you're playing a coach Beheim and staff coach team, that's a hard matchup for you to prepare. If they're announcing the tournament, you know, the NCAA tournaments on a Sunday and you look and you've got them, you know, first round on a Thursday or Friday or second round potential matchup. And even if you get them into the second weekend, it's so hard to prepare for this zone. And that's why I think, again, you know, to their credit, Coach Beheim and his staff's credit, they've had so much success in the tournament because of that, you know, that identity that they've established with that two, three zone. So you got to tip your hat to what coach Beheim has built at Syracuse, that identity, the identity, uh, the legacy that will always be, uh, you know, um, synonymous with what coach Beheim has done at Syracuse. Uh, it's just fascinating. It really is fascinating to take a step back and see. And now with the game, the way it's actually kind of, evolved into that two, three zone is even more valuable in today's game with than the college game as it relates to just so much of an emphasis more on fouling um, on the defensive end in terms of hand checking. And that zone kind of takes you away from doing that. So, um, you know, a lot of credit, you know, and big respect for what Coach Beheim and his staff have done over the years at Syracuse. And one last thing I want to bring up, their home court, they have one of the iconic facilities uh, in college basketball. It's been, you know, for years, the Carrier Dome. I've never been there watching it on TV, watching the replays of it all the way up until now. Um, what is it like? What's the feeling like playing in the Carrier Dome? Jamie, when you first walk into the Carrier Dome and you get there for shoot around, you know, you have to kind of, you know, walk out on the floor and just kind of look up and you just can't. Um, you know, uh, explain, you know, how big it is in there, right? In terms of the bat, there's no real, you know, um, backdrop to behind the backboards. It's, it's all open. Um, and again, you know, you use the word, we obviously know the carrier dome to be the, that what it is, a dome. So it's, it's, it's enormous inside. When you get there for shoot around, you got to kind of get familiar with the, the backdrop. And then you got to kind of look around a little bit and, and see that this is kind of a different venue than you, most teams or most players are used to playing in front of. Then that night you get to the game and you add, you know, uh, an incredible atmosphere. And so playing in the carrier dome, um, you know, especially when 
you know, Syracuse is in full force, which, you know, most every home game, you're going to get, you know, 15, 20,000 fans there. And, you know, what ends up happening in that, you know, in that setting is this, they're extremely loud, the fan base, they're exceptionally knowledgeable about basketball. They know when they need to rally their team, they know how to get on the officials. And from the beginning of the game, from the opening tip, Jamie, the entire carrier dome is standing up. You know, these are all Syracuse fans that are there now, not the opposition, but the Syracuse fans that are there are standing up and they're all clapping and they don't sit down, Jamie, until Syracuse scores, you know, their first field goal, not first point free throw first field goal. And so right from the jump, you know, you can hear and feel uh, the noise level, the electricity, um, and again, the credit goes to what Coach Beheim and his staff have established with that kind of support, uh, fan support. And, you know, the, the fan, the, they're so knowledgeable about basketball. That makes it even that much more, uh, you know, of a home court advantage when they know how to get their, behind their team. If there's a tough, you know, um, you know so tough part of the game they're going through, their fans get on their side and they really rally them. So very difficult place to play. One of the, the best venues um, in college basketball that I've been associated with just in terms of being able to play uh, in, in that, in that setting around those type of fans. And um, it is a huge, huge advantage for Syracuse uh, playing in that carrier dome. And there we have it. That wraps up. Episode six, our Syracuse episode on the breakdown. But before we say our goodbyes, we've gone through the venue. We've gone through the coach. We've gone through the personnel. We've broken down their offense. We've broken down their defense, their identities, what they try to do, and everything for Syracuse University. So if you enjoy this content, please make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. Please share it across your platforms as well. Also, leave a comment below of what you think about the Syracuse team, what you think of the ACC as a whole. We want to hear from you. Please make sure you comment below, um, you know, and rate us. You know, give us five stars. That helps us get out to more people. Uh, the more you comment, like us, the more that you subscribe, the more people that we can get out to and, and share this content with. So thank you guys very much. Scott, thank you very much uh, for the episode. And, guys, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.